Good morning, ladies. I think we're ready to commence with our final retreat talk. So why don't we begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. So, we begin our, our last talk. I don't think this is going to be a very long one, uh, but really sort of going to wrap everything up, hopefully during the homily, as we celebrate today the solemnity of Pentecost. So, looking back, even though I know we should be aware of everything we've talked about, that we've tried to look at three essential elements for the renewal of uh, authentic Marian devotion, seeing Mary as human, willing to connect with us on an emotional level, or we can connect with her on an emotional level, seeing that need for relationship with Our Lady, not just some sort of an abstract, disconnected devotion, and then finally really focusing on her as a woman, particularly as a mother and as a virgin. And so I gave homework, that homework was basically to pray or to think or to sort of evaluate your life, but I never really gave the homework of, hey, y'all go figure out how to do this. I never did that. Or never did I say, this is how I think it ought to be done. Because the truth is, and this is sort of the underlying truth that I've hinted at before, but I'll come right out and say, in the church... Traditionally, change does not come from the top down, but from the bottom up. Nine times out of ten, it comes from the grassroots, from the laity, and from their lived experience, not from the hierarchy. I'm not saying that legitimate change can't come from the top down, but it's not going to be effective if I say, well, this is how you do it. This is the kind of rosary you need to pray. This is how you need to do this. You need to do these types of devotions and sort of dictate the practical aspects. Can't do that. The reality is the church or I can sort of give some guidelines of what I think it should look like or what essential elements should be. And it's going the way it's lived out, the practice, what it's going to look like now and hopefully in the future is going to come from people like you. Not just the lay, per, lay people, but really women. Women who cultivate an authentic devotion to Our Lady. It's going to come from the lived practice and prayer of women like you, not from papal decree. The Pope would come out with his big document tomorrow and said, you know, everything Father said was right, and this is how you do it. I'm sure some people would like it, but nobody reads papal decrees anymore. And even if they did... The true movement of the Spirit is going to come in the hearts of the faithful, particularly women and particularly women in their families, with their children and their spouses and their communities. All I can really do is sort of give the seeds. It's up to you in your own practice to make it grow. And again, I can plant the seeds of the different elements that I talked about, and in each one of your lives, there's going to be something new that comes up. There could be some new form of devotion that Our Lady leads you to, or as we'll see, the Spirit will lead you to. 
There's a creativity that needs to exist within the church. I can't say this is the form and y'all fit into it. That's generally not how the Spirit works. But unless we're working to really cultivate a devotion to Our Lady, that's not going to happen. If we're just going to stick with the same prayers and devotions that we've always had and not really work to encounter and know Mary's Immaculate Heart, then it's going to stay the same. It's just going to be a structure that we've built, not something that comes from the inside, nothing that, not something that is animated by a personal relationship and a knowledge of the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Does this make sense? So I'm really basically saying the whole purpose of the retreat, I can give you all kinds of ideas, lady, but now the ball's in your court. The ball's in your court for your prayer, for your devotion. I could say, though, it needs to be done. The impact is going to happen in three levels. The first is in your own personal lives. When you are dedicated, or all of us in a certain sense, are dedicated to cultivating an authentic relationship with Mary, to really get to know Our Lady, to open our hearts to her, as we talked about yesterday, of learning to become vulnerable. Why? Because then we're going to be able to listen And we're going to let Our Lady guide us to where she wants to go, how she wants to be admired. You know, it's very easy uh, for us to say, all right, I'm going to buy my mom a present for for Mother's Day. But we could also say, Mom, what do you want? And maybe our mom won't tell us. If you ask your dad, he'll probably tell you. That's that's for how it is. You ask me, I'm going to tell you what I want. Don't buy me anything I don't want because it's going to sit on the shelf. Mary knows how she wants to be revered. She's willing to take whatever you can give her, but she's going to be willing to guide. And her affirmation is going to move our hearts to go in a certain direction. We keep our devotions, we keep our rosary, but there may be a new way of understanding Our Lady, of praying the rosary, a new sort of procession, a new way we can honor her at Mass. That's the thing. We still have the same stuff, but there's always new things that come up. We just can't live in the past and allow Our Lady to guide us in our own personal lives. But essentially, it's going to be developing that personal relationship with Mary. But second, from our own personal relationship, it's going to extend out to our families, cultivating devotion to Mary and the family, as that Mary really should be the queen and mother of our individual families. Now, does that mean we're going to force everybody to kneel down on concrete and pray the rosary? Not necessarily. I may make them not like uh, Mary at all. But the way is a mother of someone who knows Our Lady to say, hey, I want y'all to know Mary too. And I think that's the key. If we're saying, hey, I want y'all to pray the rosary, and I want you to come to this procession, and I want you to burn a candle in front of the statue of Mary, people may be like your children and your family, like, what's this for? But if you know Our Lady and you say, I want to introduce my Heavenly Mother to you. I want you to get to know her on a person level. I want her to be a part of our family. Then that changes things. Because you're inviting them, not just to a bunch of practices, but you're inviting your family members to a knowledge of Our Lady. And granted, there may be some family members, probably particularly your husbands, who don't necessarily want it at first. Well, you don't force it on them, just like you don't force someone to be friends with someone you love. But you ask Our Lady to love them, to change their hearts, to, to, to make them open to receiving and living that devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. 
I think your children, and particularly grandchildren, might be the ones that are the most open to this form of devotion, this form of inspiration. And again, it will look different from family to family. You know, maybe uh, there's one family I know, uh, actually, uh, that they celebrate New Year's Day. So New Year's Day is, of course, New Year's Day. But it's also the Feast of Mary, Mother of God. So their New Year's Eve party is a celebration of Mary's maternity. And so they have, like, blue martinis. They don't give them to their kids. Kids get blue Kool-Aid. They may make a special cake. They have this way of honoring Our Lady. And so it's fun, but it's a way of focusing on Mary as a person. We're celebrating a maternity. These are ways that particularly mothers and grandmothers can use their creativity to make devotion to Our Lady fun. I'm not saying that plying people with alcohol will make them love Our Lady more, but we can use, I mean, Our Lady was the one who wanted them to turn the water into wine, so why not? And third is from the conversion of the family and the individual, and hopefully it spills over to your parish church. Now, I'm not saying go nag your priest to say, I had an apparition of the Blessed Virgin Mary and she wants this. It's not the way to do it. Please do not go and nag your priest and demand that he prays rosaries and demand that he does things in the parish. I can assure you, your pastor is not going to be like to be cajoled or demanded into things. But from your own inspiration to say, Father, I know I really had this great idea. I feel Our Lady has led me to this. And if the priest is a good priest, he may say, all right, good, you go start that. You go do it, empowering the lay people. And whether it be a rosary group or a sodality or something that's devoted to Our Lady, I don't know. And hopefully that inspiration will spill over to new initiatives in the parish, people who come to know Our Lady. Maybe a prayer group where you can work to help people learn to pray the rosary in a much deeper way. I don't know what it's going to be. But we're going to see, if we see changes on those three levels, the heart, the family, and the parish, then we really can bring about a renewal in the church of a greater devotion to Our Lady. But here's the fact. The true renewal to Our Lady is going to be organic. Organic. It's going to come moved by Our Lady, moved by the Spirit. It's not going to be forced. It's not going to be something, everybody's going to love the rosary. Everyone's going to go to this novena. It's not going to be something that comes from the outside, nor is it going to be something reactionary. We're going to go back to 1945. That's not going to work either. It's going to be something organic, and the Spirit and Our Lady might surprise us, and giving us new inspirations for devotions we never thought about before. And that's why, we, knowing Our Lady, we say, Mary, you're my mom. I know you know what's best. You guide me in the direction you want me to go to bring honor to your immaculate heart. And I really do think there may be a rejuvenation of old traditional practices, but there can be some new stuff too. We come back in 10 or 15 years, who knows where Mary has led us? But if we don't begin getting to know her and we just keep going through the motions and don't allow our lady to touch our hearts, we're never going to see where she will guide us. I could see a renewal in Marian art, devotion, liturgy, theology. 
new ways of understanding Our Lady that will speak to the minds and hearts of a new generation. And so, it will be organic. It will be led by Our Lady, led by the Spirit. But it comes to sort of the question that sort of underlies everything, which I talked about a little bit at the very, very beginning of our time together. And Friday night, we're all asleep, and we don't remember what I said. Is why is this important? Why is this need to renew Marian devotion for the 21st century so crucial? And what I talked about that first night was the crisis of faith in the culture and in the church. In the culture, it's much, much worse than the church, but there is a crisis of, of faith in the church, both of them. And we know the elements. We know that people are struggling to believe. We know they don't like ritual. They know there's the rejection of the sacred, that so many people are just sort of living very secular, if not sinful, existences. And I'm sure many of you here, I'm sure everybody in here knows a family member or a friend who's left the practice of the faith that may be angry at God or at Jesus, leading a life of complete hedonism, addicted to drugs, alcohol, sex, whatever it is. And we want to be able to reach out to them, but it's typical of the culture in which we live. And so we're always talking about solutions. How can we resolve this crisis of faith? How can we bring about a renewal of life in the church? Because that Immaculate Heart of Mary was supposed to triumph. John Paul II talked about the new springtime in the church. Where is it? We see it bud here or there, but maybe it's not there like it should be. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe this is what the Lord wants. But I have a funny feeling he wants more people involved, just like the sisters would like more people coming to these retreats. Well, in 1984... Cardinal Ratzinger, who, of course, later became Pope Benedict XVI, did an interview. Some of you may have read the book called The Ratzinger Report. Even though it was uh, done, you know, 30, 35 years ago, it's still very relevant today. And then he talks about the crisis of culture, and particularly how a lot of it really revolves around the understanding of who woman is, uh, who the woman is, and abortion and sex femininity, gender, masculinity, but in general, you know, the crisis the culture is facing. And he was asked, what is the solution? What is the solution to the crisis the culture is facing and the church is facing? And he gave an answer that even now, 30 years later, still surprises me. He gave a one-word answer. Anybody care to guess what the one-word answer was for the solution? Mary. He said, Mary. And that strikes me. You probably figure, he said, Jesus. That's a safe answer. Prayer, faith. He said, Mary was the one word answer. And that's startling. I think it's startling for people even who have a devotion to Our Lady. It might even startle the sisters. I don't know. The sisters are more startled that it's hot in here, so they're turning the air conditioner down. I like that. So, he explains, though, why this is. And I'll give you the quote, and I'm going to try to, to flesh it out a little bit, because he kind of, it's taken sort of a little bit out of context, and I want you to understand what the Holy Father is saying. He says, it may just be the task of Marian piety, Marian devotion, to awaken the heart and purify it in faith. 
that awaken that heart to, to, to change the individual and therefore awaken it to faith and hopefully change the culture. If the misery of contemporary man is his disintegration into mere bios, B-I-O-S, like biology, into mere just material biological substance, and mere rationality, just intellect and reason, Marian piety could work against this decomposition and help man to discover unity in the center from the heart. Now, this is sort of a, a little complicated quote. Let me try to explain what he's saying. He's saying that the crisis of culture sort of centered around this decomposition of man. On one hand, we can see the human person is simple biological matter. There's no soul. There's nothing sacred. There's nothing spiritual. They're just bios, the product of evolution. Okay? That's all it is. There's no really inherent dignity. We're just another animal, a, a system of biological processes. Then over time, entropy takes over, and it all shuts down. On the other hand, there's in a certain sense a rejection of the body that all that matters is the intellect, rationality math, science, and the way that we analyze and can control the world. And so, it still doesn't believe that there's a soul or there's a spirit, but all that matters are the laws of reason and rationality. And so the body really doesn't matter that much. And so there's this decomposition. We don't fully understand who the human person is, is mind and matter, is body and soul created in the image and likeness of God. And he believes that somehow Mary and piety can restore that, can bring it back together. So his ultimate argument is, and I will agree with him, and I think John Paul II would have agreed with him, that the crisis that the culture is facing is a crisis of anthropology. Anthropology doesn't mean here the study of monkeys and chimpanzees, but the study of anthropos the human person. The reason the world is messed up is because we don't understand who we are as human beings. Creating the image and likeness of God, I mean, ultimately, that's the real root. We don't understand who God is. We can't see ourselves as who we are. If we have a dignity, if we're in the image and likeness of God, and we reject God, or we don't know who he is, then guess what? We're not going to know who we are. And that's the real crisis. And that's why we get so confused about things. That's why we treat people as means to an ends instead of persons. That's why we are obsessed with sex. That's why we uh, don't care about the dignity of life in the womb, whatever it is. And so he's calling for a renewal of the understanding of the human person. And so Mary, or a Marian piety, or as I'm advocating, a renewed Marian devotion, helps to overcome that, is the answer to it. Why? Because Our Lady, our Heavenly Mother, is the perfect human. She's a human person, a human being, at perfect balance, flawless, sinless. She's sort of the prototype of what we should be. And so we, by having a deeper understanding of who she is, and for, uh, for her to show us who we are, we come to see what it means to have that balance of body and soul, of mind and matter, 
to live in that unity. Mary had a great unity of a person. And she lived, as he said, from the heart. That's where it is, from the center, the core of our being. The heart, that's what it symbolizes, who we are at the core, that balance of everything on the tip of that, that, that human heart. And so if we could come to understand Our Lady's heart and her love for the Lord and how that humanity was balanced there in her immaculate heart, we can have a better understanding of who we are. Not just by studying Our Lady, we could pick up a book and read all about her, but by entering into relationship with her. Not only as we know her, but as she comes to know us. And there's no mistake that Ratzinger focuses on the heart and that we've been focusing on Mary's Immaculate Heart because it's the heart that defines what we are created for. Fine, we can understand, right, human being, body, soul, intellect, will, emotions, what it means to be human, but ultimately, what are we created for? We as humans are created to love. We're created to give of ourselves. We're created to serve others and to serve God. We're created to sacrifice of ourselves. And on the other hand, we're created to receive love. It's not just give, give, give. We're created to receive, to be loved, to be affirmed in who we are by God and by other people. And so what human heart did that so perfectly? Granted, Jesus had a human heart. He was a divine person. We can learn a lot from Christ's heart, but we can learn a lot from Mary's heart. As Mary loved her son and received love from her son, her willingness to serve him and serve others and to receive the service that he gave to her, she did it perfectly with Jesus. And so meditating on that love of how she loved Jesus and allowed Jesus to love her. And then, of course, she carries it to the apostles and her life with John and serving the other apostles, how she loved them and allowed them to love her, that giving and receiving love, that serving, that gift of self, that willingness to sacrifice. And now, because we are her children, she's willing to do with us. But if we do not take the time to get to know Our Lady's heart, if all it is are these devotions that we use to put walls up so that we can't know her heart and we can't let her love us, then it's never going to happen. We're not going to have the renewal. You just can't read a book on the Immaculate Heart of Mary and say, oh, okay, it's the solution to the world. Problems. The cultural crisis is over. No, there has to be that intimate heart-to-heart -heart knowledge that comes from cultivating a relationship. And so this, ladies, is sort of where it all comes together, the, the, the conclusion of what uh, I'm trying to say or hopefully trying to convey uh, to you today is the goal of all of this stuff is not, of course, just to say, hey, ladies, y'all are doing it all wrong. I'm not saying that at all. But to say we want to renew Marian piety. But that's not what it's really about. It's not about finding new ways to pray the rosary, or new ways to have fun processions, or new ways to have masses in devotion to Our Lady. It's not the renewal of Marian piety, but it's our own renewal. It's the renewal of our lives, it's the renewal of our hearts, it's the renewal of our families, it's the renewal of our church and our culture. 
I'm not here to teach you how to pray the rosary in a new way, to change the way we do things, but to change our hearts, to change the way we love God and change the way we love others so that we can be more like Mary. I mean, imagine what Mary's love was like. And the way you do it is imagine what it's like being loved by Our Lady. But we as Catholics believe that through a relationship with her, we can know what that's like to experience that maternal love of Our Lady. And as we experience that love, then it's easier for us to know who we are. Because we only really know ourselves when we are loved. People who do not receive love or didn't receive love don't know who they are. Their being hasn't been affirmed. When we receive that love, we know who we are, and it's easier for us to love others. And I really do think this, um, is that she learned to love Jesus, that she can do that same with us. She wants to love us in the same way she loved Jesus. To share that love with us. And to a certain degree, Jesus, of course, knew the love of the Father, and that formed him, but he also knew the love of his mother. Imagine how that formed who Jesus became as a human being, knowing the love of Mary for 33 years. I mean, boy, we can all say, if we know somebody who had a mom who really loved them, it made them a great person, we owe so much to our mother. Imagine how much Jesus owed to Mary and her love for him. And so, I'm not saying that, that, that this is the end-all, be-all to everything, but when we experience that love, then guess what? We're able to love others as Mary loved, as Jesus loved. This is something I never tire of saying, and I probably have said it in retreats here before. Indeed, God does, Jesus does, speak to us and love us directly. In fact, if he didn't, or if the saints and Mary didn't love us directly, I wouldn't be talking to you about cultivating this devotion to Our Lady. But more often than not, Jesus uses other people to communicate his love to us. He mediates that love. He mediates his healing. He mediates through other people his word. Again, if I was giving a talk on prayer, I'd say, quit trying to listen to God's voice in prayer. Go to prayer, allow the Lord to tune you in, and then listen outside of the world. St. Therese says that. She never once heard the voice of God in prayer. But because of her prayer, when she was outside of prayer, she would receive these inspirations. She could feel the Spirit moving. It's in prayer where we sort of tune in. Indeed, we might be able to feel the love of Our Lady and the love of Our Lord, and we should, but... It's the, how we recognize it through other people. And so this is sort of the inspiration that I, I received today as I was doing this. When Jesus left and ascended into heaven, he said he's going to send the Spirit so that he'll know he's always with us. And through the Spirit, we know the Lord's love. But guess how else? What else Jesus left? He left his mother there with the apostles. We're going to talk about that at Mass. So Mary was Christ's presence among the apostles. When they saw Mary, when they were loved by Mary, Mary was that perfect channel for Jesus. They knew that Jesus was loving them, or they should have known, through Our Lady. Does that make sense? Forget that. So it wasn't just the Holy Spirit, it was also Our Lady. 
Mary was that conduit, that channel, that living presence of Christ for the apostles. And so it's the same with us. Our Lady and our Lord want to love us, and they can do it directly, but they can often do it through other people, the people the Lord puts in our lives, the people we love being loved by. And when we're loved by them, our hearts change. The shame falls away when we learn to be vulnerable, and we can love other people. And therefore, our Lord and Our Lady can use us as channels to love others. But it has to happen here. Once we connect with Mary's Immaculate Heart, with Jesus' Sacred Heart, and our heart is changed, then we're able to share that love with others. So they can know the love of Christ. They can know the love of Our Lady. And that's how we're going to change the church. And that's how we're going to change the world. It's going to be from the heart from the sinner. That's what devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary looks like. Jesus' heart connects to her heart. Her heart connects to our heart. Our heart connects to others. But unless you have the heart-to-heart, unless you have that relationship, unless you're plugged in, we'll never change. We'll never know that love, nor will we be able to share it with others. So we're going to kind of wrap everything up with the real key at Pentecost today. And so between now and then, take some time to meditate on this. We talked about the real call. It's not the renewal or the change of Marian devotion, the renewal and change of our hearts and society and the culture. And to begin to pray and say, Mary, I want you to change my heart and help me understand how I as an individual and my own family and my own community and come to work to bring about the triumph of the Immaculate Heart, come to bring about the renewal of our understanding of who we are as humans, and therefore change the church and change the world. Amen.